It's time for your weekly dose of Wayne's Comics. It's episode 98 of the Wayne's Comics Podcast. Thanks so much for listening. This week I've got a fun interview with Joshua Williamson, the scripter behind many books that I'm really enjoying these days, including Captain Midnight, Masks and Mobsters on monkeybraincomics.com, Ghosted from Image Comics, and even a Detective Comics annual that just came out this week. We talk about how he approaches writing these different books and what kind of projects he hopes to do in the future, as well as talk about how things got the way they are. So I'm sure you're going to enjoy that conversation. Then, as always, we'll have reviews, news, and previews. There's a lot to get to, so let's get to it. want to welcome to the podcast Joshua Williamson, uh, creator of comics and kids' books and video games. Nothing that uh, you don't do, Josh. How are you doing today, Josh? I'm doing pretty good. It's been a pretty hectic day. Why don't we start off by talking about Masks and Mobsters, which is, I think, one of the standout books at monkeybraincomics.com. Although I like them, pretty, everything I've read I've enjoyed. But yours stands out for me because you've got a very unique take on superheroes. So I really like that. Do you want to describe what the book is about for people who may not have, have encountered it yet? Yeah, sure. Masks Mobsters essentially is a take on superheroes. I always have this theory, right? I mean, if, if superheroes started showing up in the Golden Age, they would start messing with the mob. You know, it's like if superheroes were villains, they start popping up. Like, that's going to mess with the mob's, like, organization, their plans. And so what Masks Mobsters is, is it's that world. Like the golden age of superheroes, these these pulp heroes, like you know the Shadow and the Phantom, those kinds of characters are all popping up, but all from the monsters' perspective, like the wise guys, and uh, yeah, that's pretty much what it's about. Mm-hmm. It's interesting to me because as we're recording, you've had nine issues out so far. Yeah, and you've had a, the hardcover. I bought the hardcover and really enjoyed it. It's oh, such thanks. a great thing to have. Yeah, it's nice. So- I love the hardcover. I'm very happy with it. It's so beautifully done. I just such a great thing. And of course, that's one thing about Monkey Brain is, in a way, you sort of double dip. You get money from like it's ninety nine cents every time a new issue comes out. Yeah. But then you can, you can buy the paper version when it comes out. Mm. So that's kind of cool. Yeah, I'm really happy with it. Yeah, that's a great way to do it. Kind of helps creative people make ends meet. I think so that's good stuff. Now, the first issue, you did something that surprised the heck out of me. What was that? You actually, and I don't want to spoil too much for people. Let's just say that not all the heroes in the book survive. Yeah. What's interesting is, is the way this book is set up, you've got sort of self-contained stories with plot threads that go through the issues as well. And I like that a lot because it makes me feel like a TV show. Yeah. Oh, thanks. It's interesting work. Like in my head, I'm always trying to keep the story together and keep it straight, keep what I'm trying to do with it all. It's very much uh, the way I compare it is Pulp Fiction. When you watch Pulp Fiction, you get all these little snippets of a story that all kind of add up in the end. Right. Mm-hmm. And that's that's what we're doing with this. Like that's probably the best way to explain it is that, yeah, it's, it's each little short story can be self-contained. Like, you can probably read one of those short stories by itself and be fine. But if you've been reading them all, you'll start seeing the thread. You'll start seeing those little things that are getting dropped and the names get repeated and, and sort of those little moments that are adding up to something bigger. And it's been a lot of fun doing it. 
It's kind of great because I've been reading comics now for a couple of decades, you know, amongst mm-hmm. and so it's always nice to read something that's original and fresh, and that's what Masks and Mobsters is for me. It's something such a, a different take on the genre that I, I enjoy it so much. And I know there's a lot of other people at Majorspoilers.com who really love this book, and yeah, I can't wait lot. for the next issue to come out. We're just dying for it. <laughs> yeah, we're trying. We try to keep them on a pretty good schedule. Okay, so Masks and Mobsters, and with the uh, that first chapter, a lot of people don't know this, but... I wrote that a long time ago. I was in Brian Michael Bendis's graphic novel writing class at PSU, or his comic book writing class. I mean, basically, yeah, like I was one of his students. I was one of the. I was in the first class, mm-hmm. and one of our assignments was to do a genre assignment. And you know, I really felt like a lot of the comics I like, I like Vertigo. Like, I'm a big Vertigo guy, and and outside of that, I still you know like Starman, like James Robinson Starman, Gotham Central. But with Vertigo, you know, Sandman Mystery Theater, and I felt like those things are, are things I love, but they weren't really in comics at that time. Mm-hmm. And so when this assignment came up, we had to do a genre assignment. We had to pick a genre and do it. But he was like, if you're going to do superheroes, make sure it's something different. Mm-hmm. And I had been thinking about this story for a while about doing sort of a, a, a version of this. Mm-hmm. And then I wrote this up. And so really that first chapter, the only kind of editor that I ever had was Bendis. Like he had a bunch of notes on it and as part of the assignment. And that's, you know, so whenever people like talk about that one, I always think it's kind of interesting. And that's why it has that punch in the gut, I think, in the end, because I, I wanted to make sure. I always look at it like, uh, like I said, Pulp Fiction, but also Twilight Zone episodes. I always make sure there's a little thing at the end. Just a little thing. Not a, it doesn't have to be a twist, but something you can walk away from remembering. Mm-hmm. Well, I have to say, DC's New 52 has a lot of that kind of stuff. If you get to the end of the book, usually the last page is like a cliffhanger thing. Mm-hmm. And you do something along the line. Not, not, not always a cliffhanger, but sometimes it's just a big surprise. Yeah, I try and to I, a little punch in the gut, something. Yeah, see, that's a good way to do it because then people say, ooh, that was great. I want to see another one of these. So that's how I got started. I started downloading and you know, reading and downloading and buying them through Comixology and stuff like that. Wow, this is just great stuff. One of the things I find interesting, too, is that it's black and white. And in an era where color seems to be the norm, pretty much, yeah. this book thrives by being black and white. You get, you have like duotones on the covers. Someone mm-hmm. will be like, a bluish kind of, and then other ones will be like a maroon kind of thing. It's kind of an interesting thing, but it fits the tone of the book so well. I really love it. Yeah, I think having the ink wash helps a lot. I think if we weren't doing ink wash, I think it, it would be a little different. We had talked about color. We were always going to do the ink wash. Like, that was always going to happen. And then, you know, we talked about maybe doing something different here and there. He did the first, that first chapter, the first 14 pages, all black and white ink wash. We were really happy with it. And then I would talk to people about digital. I would go out and talk to other people who were doing digital books. And they were all like, uh, black and white. I don't know. I don't know. I don't know. And I was just like, no, you know, I really believe that we could do it black and white. And I had one page colored. I went to a colorist that I know is a really great colorist named Paul Little, and I asked him about it. He did a page, and I was just like, nah, it's not adding up. I don't see it on my head like this. I see it as black and white. It's supposed to be a noir book. Let's do something different. Let's do it black and white. And I think also part of it is we were producing this. I was in the middle of doing Xenoholics, mm-hmm. and coloring added a whole other step to the process. Mm-hmm. And we were trying to – it was just me and Mike, Mike Henderson, the artist who does, I think, a great job on the book. It was just the two of us, and we kind of liked this idea of it was just the two of us. Like I was lettering, he was drawing, and that was it. And so we decided, like, this is what we're going to do, just the two of us. And we're able to knock it out. And I think that's why the black and white works. Mm-hmm. You know, all this, this the era, the time period, the way the story's told. Mm-hmm. I couldn't imagine doing it in color. It would just be weird. 
<laughs> well, you know, if you ever get short of money, what you could always do is put out a color version and see if people would want to buy that. <laughs> that's what uh, happened with Bone. They, they all of a sudden started releasing color hardcovers of them. Yeah, I know. Which, of course, yeah. I went right after. I bought them all because I, I love the book. Yeah, I love Bone. Bone is awesome. I have the first volume in color. I eventually will probably get it. It's on my list of things to get, the big hardcover with all of them in it. But, yeah. Well, I'm interested, too, about you've picked some new hero names. You know, you've got the mask at one point. You've got, uh, you, of course, the hero we see in the first issue is Dr. Daylight. Yeah. Were these heroes that you kind of created a long time ago, or are these ones that you made when you were going to make the series? Uh, both. Okay. Like, some, like Dr. Daylight. I've had Dr. Daylight in my head forever. He actually, I did this book, <laughs> this can sound kind of funny. I did this book a long time ago called Necessary Evil with Desperado that only ran for nine issues, and it was about a school for supervillains. It was about two kids who their mom is a supervillain and she dies and they vow to get revenge on the superhero that killed her. So to do that, they have to get training and they find the school and they go all this, all this stuff. Right. Well, a lot of the heroes that were in that because it was a school for supervillains, like again, a different take on something. The heroes were kind of in the periphery of the book. So the only hero that actually uh, had a part was a character called Dr. Daylight. And so the joke is, like, me and the guy working on Mr. Evil and the guys that work on Masks and Monsters is that Masks and Monsters takes place in the same world, just in the 40s, mm-hmm. like late 30s, early 40s, whereas in Mr. Evil's present day. And that the Dr. Daylight, the Mr. Evil, was actually, like, a descendant of the original Dr. Daylight, which you saw in issue one. And then a few others were characters that, yeah, we just made up. Like, The Tower was a little bit before. Deadly Bones was made up for this book. Mm-hmm. There's a few other ones that are coming up, like the Blue Bullet, things like mm-hmm. that. Like, those are characters that will be around eventually. Uh, that we made up for the book. But really, Dr. Daylight, who is such an important character in the mm-hmm. book, because even after what happens, he mm-hmm. still felt like his presence is still around. Mm-hmm. Great stuff. There were two of the issues stood out to me when I was reading them. My issue number five, mm-hmm. which is a holiday issue, is that yeah. I like the fact that there's two mobsters trying to kill an old man without uh, mercy, as the description goes. And what happens on the night before Christmas is really, I liked what was going on a lot. I thought that was great. And the other one that really stood out to me was issue number seven, mm-hmm. where you have two separate storylines going. One's kind of in the background and one's in the foreground. Mm-hmm. The challenge to me was to know what to read going forward. Could I keep track of both of them? at the same time or should it get one at one time but the foreground story doesn't have much dialogue to it. I don't think any there's fact. no dialogue in the fourth story yeah uh-huh. but the back one does and so yep. as you're seeing what's going on and there's also sort of a parallelism between what's going on the two yep. of them yep. which I really I just thought that was one of the most creative storytelling things I've seen in comics in a long time Thanks, so I really man. love that yeah I tried that was a tough one I mean that was one I knew the idea for that I had seen that in something else to be honest that was in 100 mm-hmm. Bullets but not really. There was a moment where there was like one panel, just one panel of like two guys talking in the background of things happening in the foreground. Mm-hmm. And I was, I was like, that's kind of interesting. I wonder if you do a whole story like that. Or what if you could tell a story like that, do something different. And that was, you know, that was a long time ago. And so I've ever since I've been trying to figure out a way of doing it. And I kept thinking about changing the panel angle. And then eventually I just started talking with a couple of different artists and getting their ideas on would it be stagnant? Would it be boring? What, what could we do to be different? And then Mike and I talked about it, and I just said, this is what I want to do. you know. And he, uh, he was like, all right, let's try it. Let's see what happens. And he drew each panel separately. There's no Photoshop tracing or whatever to cut and pasting of the trees or whatever. Like He drew that tree every time. Mm-hmm. And so, yeah, we just tried to do something different with it. And it is. It's one of those things where I think uh, you have to read it maybe two or three times because mm-hmm. you can read it with just the background stuff, and then you can read it with just the foreground stuff. But if you read them together, you start realizing that they do parallel each other. Like when the mobs in the background are getting mad, the couple in the front are getting mad. Like basically the violence between the two stories escalates at the same time. Mm-hmm. 
Uh, it was so great, so so unique. I mean, I don't see that any. I haven't read that anywhere else. Anything I've ever read, so yeah. I really like that. Thanks, man. I'm sure someone will copy it. I don't know. It's such <laughs> a funny thing. Like, you know, we did that, and uh, I don't know if anyone had read it. Uh, I mean, people read it. You know what I mean? But it's like one of those things that I'm sure I'll see in like some other book down the line. Uh, I, I went to this thing last night, and it was a panel reading of a new book by Charlie Houston. But uh, Bendos was on it, Matt Fraction, Kelly Sue, and uh, Mike Oming were on it. And they were kind of talking about that idea that you, once you put something out in the world, like you no longer own it. And people are going to take your ideas. This is how it is. But also, you have taken ideas. Like I just said, I got that for 100 bullets. So I'm sure I'll see it someplace else. I think the term Ben is used, take a pen, leave a pen. That was kind of interesting. And I was like, all right, yeah. So you kind of like, don't worry about it. But I'm glad you liked it. I'm glad people picked up on it and kind of got what we were trying to do. So cool. So very cool. Now, it's Masks and Mobsters. If you go to monkeybraincomics.com, you can get them. It'll send you to Comixology, which you can buy the previous issue for 99 cents. But the, like, as I mentioned before, the hardcover compilation of – how which issues are in the hardcover? One through nine, and then there's a bonus. Okay, oh, yeah. Oh, actually, so no, it's kind of weird. Okay, so I want to – it's interesting. So it's actually one through ten, or it's one through eight and then ten. Oh. And then nine was the Merman – issue that wasn't in the hardcover that came out the same day the hardcover came out but only digital oh. so the one that's actually coming out the story is coming out on august 3rd i think it's august 3rd it might be august 7th that story we've is in the hardcover already so there was a new one already online that's not in there but to get two new ones that aren't in the hardcover you have to wait till september okay uh, that's what we're trying to do at least we're trying to get ourselves on a uh, really tight schedule yeah mm-hmm. Now, who printed the, the hardcover? It was Image. It was Image, Image Comics. It was Shadow Lines. Like, I'm friends with Jim Valentino, and we had talked about going to IEW, and uh, I really wanted a hardcover. I really wanted certain things, so I went to Jim and was like, hey, I want to do this. What do you think? And, and uh, he was like, I'll do it. You know, I talked about what, what kind of work we're going to it, and he's really happy with it. Like, you know, once we got the book, he was like, yeah, this is awesome. You know, he, uh, he was really, really happy. It's a beautiful volume. It really is. It's just a great thing to have. And it's great that the content, to my mind, matches the format so well. It's just, it's worth saving. You know, it's kind of one of those books I want to have forever because it's a great thing. Content and the look of it is so terrific. Thanks, man. Yeah, I tried. <laughs> and now, we, now you've done a lot of stuff in the past. I've been reading your stuff for a long time. You did Superman, Batman. You've done the Hulk. You've done uh, stuff for Oni Press. Man, you've done a lot of things. But it's interesting that you mentioned Images doing the Mask and Mobsters because your latest color book that just came out, uh, issue number one is coming out as we were, it's been out as we were recording, is yeah. Ghosted. Yeah. Which is it's just one of the most unique supernatural storytelling forms I've ever seen. Stuff happens in there that I never imagined. <laughs> you because know, normally supernatural stories are pretty standard stuff. You've got yeah. your ghost hunter, they go out, they run the thing, they either can't deal with it or they end up getting beat up. X Files they were forever getting beat up and stuff. Mm-hmm. But this one, you've got a guy by the name of Jackson T. Winters who's in jail mm-hmm. and he gets taken out of jail to uh, work with uh, uh, Anderson Lane. And what Anderson wants him to do... Oh, no, just, it's, uh, he works for... Oh, that's the girl. No, that's the that. girl is Anderson Lake, and then Lake, he works sorry. for... No, it's cool. He works for a guy named Marcus Shriken. That's right. Shriken. Shriken. Okay. Yeah. That's a good name for a for the story. Yeah, yeah. What's really interesting about it is what the gentleman wants him to do is something I did not expect at all, and I don't know if I want to if you want to spoil. Oh it. yeah, that's part of the plot. Yeah, he wants him to steal a ghost. Yeah, yeah which I, house, I, yeah. At the end of the book, I'm still going like, how in the world is he going to do that? Oh, it's really simple. It's so funny. Oh. 
I'm not gonna tell you what it is because you know okay. eventually you'll get there. It's funny. A lot of these reviews, people are just like, I don't know how, how are they gonna still go. That seems stupid. How are they gonna do? It? How are they gonna do it? And I'm always like, oh man, you think I would actually do this book and not know how you still go? <laughs> like it's very simple. There's a part, and uh, I'm not gonna see what issue it is. It comes up. They figure it out. Somebody okay. figures it out. And it's so. Br- I was at a brunch last week, and a friend of mine who's an editor at Dark Horse, him and I were just talking, and he had read it. It was really he liked it a lot. And he was like, yeah, how, like, how are they going to steal the ghost? And I was like, do you really want to know? Like, do you really want to know? He was like, yeah. Tom. So I told him, and he was like, that is surprisingly simple. Mm-hmm. Like, I was like, yeah, see? Yeah, don't spoil it. I, I, uh, I want to know. I, I, I like having hints, but I don't want to be spoiled. And even though it's, it's at major spoilers, I still kind of like being surprised. And I like other people. Because I feel if you spoil it, you, we might cut down on the sales. And I would much rather buy it and read it and have other people buy it and read it than have somebody spoil it and get in trouble. So I just thought it's such a great thing. Again, you know, you were talking about how you like to end with a little twist. Mm-hmm. And the last page on this one has a great little twist to it, and I don't want to spoil yeah. it. But let's just say that somebody is not telling the truth, and yeah. I just – I was so shocked. And this is – what's happened is Winter, he gets these people together, and I love the way you chose them from different parts of supernatural genres. You get like mm-hmm. a Ghost Hunters-type crew who comes along. Mm-hmm. You've got a guy who does magic tricks, and he comes along. Mm-hmm. And you've got all these different people, and he, uh, supernatural like a medium or a psychic. Yeah. She's there, too. And so you've got this interesting collection of people that really covers all the supernatural things that, that I know of. And I was just fascinated when they all get together. And that last page just surprised me like anything else. I just, I just, I would encourage people to get ghosted because it's such a good book. Just a great fun. I'm just dying to see where we're going to go with this. Is it a limited series or is this going to be an ongoing? Uh, it was limited, but we changed it to an ongoing uh, oh, cool. because the you know, the sales and the reception has been so great, you know, the feedback that we were like, let's go do an ongoing. And so it worked out. Like, I, you know, we weren't really sure how that was going to work. And then I went to a meeting with Kirkman at, at Skybound and my editors and some other people, we talked about it. And I was like, I do have ideas. Like, I know exactly how to continue it. And so did they. They had some my thoughts, too. And issue six, I turned it in a little bit ago. I'm actually working on it today. And I loved it. Like, I was really happy with it. They were happy with it. I was happy with it. We were like, yeah, this works. Like, we can totally do this. This, this is doable. Yeah, like it's it's fun. I mean, it's it's a simple thing. It's another thing. It's easy to explain. Where it's like, it's Ocean's Eleven in a haunted house instead of a casino. Easiest yeah. way to explain it to somebody. You know, Ocean's Eleven in a haunted house. You're good. And so yeah, I'm really happy with it. Like it's been great. You know, people and Goran Suzuka did the art on it, and he just did an awesome job. When I first found out, when we first talked about him being the artist, I was really excited, and then I got to meet him at New York Comic Con 2011, and mm-hmm. him and I sat in the front of the convention center and just talked about what we saw and how we thought the book should be and we were both were really happy and yeah as soon as pages are coming i was like all right this is, this is gonna be interesting it's gonna be good mm-hmm. uh, so i'm glad people, people have liked it well the art is spectacular right? yeah. again i i love that, that you seem to be able to choose the way to tell the story in the best formatting and i mm-hmm. think that that's one of the things about this the artwork is good the coloring is particularly interesting where you mm-hmm. go from place to place sometimes it's like a darkish orange when we're yeah. in, the, in the in the mansion and when they get the groups together there's a green sometimes and purples and so yeah. you know, what you're doing is you're identifying these people as very different people mm-hmm. and there's like different feelings that we get about each one of them based on the, the way that it's done it's such a great book i just think it's so terrific the way i would do it if i was going to continue the stories maybe have different kind of missions or adventures that they're going on like have a, enough that you could collect into a trade and then go on to another story well you're thinking that everyone's going to survive that's well yeah there is that see that's one of the great things about the books that you do is that not everybody is given a, a lifetime you don't need to have everybody yeah, no to continue is, going yeah I'm a, I'm a big fan of like no one is safe kind of thing you know mm-hmm. I think that's the difference with Marvel and DC and those kinds of things. You know you can never kill Spider-Man, right. you know. 
But with my books, I let the, the story lead where it's going to go. And sometimes you can tell that's where it needs to go. You know, like that's the thing that, that that's the best story possible. And, and that's really, in my opinion, what should always be important is what is the best story possible? What is the thing I can do here with Ghosted, with Bounce to Mobsters? Yeah, just uh, it's not like I'm, I'm kill happy or anything like that. But, uh, you know, I definitely if I feel like that's the way it's going to go. And so it'll be interesting to see what people think as the story progresses, like who makes it, who doesn't, you know, what kind of ends up happening. You know, I remember his last team died and it is a horror story, you know, mm-hmm. uh, people are going to get picked off. It's going to be interesting to see how people respond the sort of the way the story goes. It'll be interesting. Mm-hmm. It's going to be great fun, and I'm really looking forward to it for month to month. Both Masks and Mobsters and Ghosted, I feel like that, you know, you're know you one of those overnight successes have been working at it for a long time. Uh, we'll Here's see. All, <laughs> well, I've, both of them, I think, are terrific stuff, and I know a lot of people who enjoy them both, so I'm really happy about that. Which leads me to ask you the next question. Sure. Uh, besides these books, do you have any other projects that you've got coming? Yeah, I'm doing Captain Midnight for Dark Horse. It's Captain Midnight! Which is based on the old pulp cereal, like the Ovaltine commercials and all that kind of stuff from the 40s and 50s. He uh, is a genius. He's a pilot. He was a pilot during World War II who would do these like espionage and all these little secret missions. And in our story, what is happening is that during this mission where a, uh, a Nazi stole technology from him, mm-hmm. he was chasing them down in the Bermuda Triangle, and he got zapped by something that actually launched both of them, him and the Nazi, to present day. Mm-hmm. Then the Nazi, she actually, her name's Furious Shark. She was transported to the 1980s, like early 1980s, and has been kind of like hiding and building. And is now because she was able to use that technology, plus her resources, has almost become like an evil Bill Gates um, so she, she's like known, like she's a famous person. She has a company called Shark Bite Technology, and she's like a, again, like an evil Steve Jobs, you know, like mm-hmm. she's like a known person. So he arrives in present day, and he looks out at the world, and he's disappointed because he was a genius, you know. And so he was building all this stuff, all this technology back in the '40s that he thought would make the world a better place. And he gets here, and he's like, "Where's my jetpack? Like, where's all this stuff?" You know, I mean, if you think the about flying cars, yeah, if you think about, I mean, look at how things were even in the '80s. Like, they thought 2015 we'd have flying cars and flying hoverboards. Mm-hmm. Imagine how it was in the '40s. You look at all the art they did, all the movies they were making, the books that were being written. About the '80s, '90s, you know, like they thought we would have some crazy stuff. And so when he shows up now, he's like, "I had some of that. What happened?" And he starts realizing his technology was corrupted. And it's been taken by like the wrong people. Starting with Furious Shark, and he's trying to fix it. The slogan has been, they stole his vision of the future, and he's trying to get it back. And it's been a lot of fun. It's been great. I'm super happy with it. Yeah, it's going to be interesting. It's, it's been fun. Like, Just, Fernando Dagno is doing the first three issues. Okay. It's kind of interesting to me, because Pulp Heroes are having a, a resurgence. Yeah. Dynamite's doing them. Dark Horse mm-hmm. is doing them. Other people are starting to get into it. You know, hey, if they're good characters, why not? So I'm, I'm all for it. Yeah. So, are you a fan of Pulp Heroes? Oh, yeah. I mean, look at, look at Masks Monsters. Mm-hmm. You know, I mean, you can totally tell. Like, I love those guys. I like that weird sort of thing, and uh, it's been a lot of fun doing that. With Captain Midnight, it's just another one of those things. It's just fun sort of telling superhero stories sometimes with a little bit of twist to it, because he's not your standard superhero. He sees the world in a very much a black and white. You know, to imagine that, like, he was fighting Nazis, so he pops up in present day. Mm-hmm. He looks at the world, and to him, it's still like, I'm going to go punch a Nazi in the face. Like, that's on his mind, and I'm going to save the world. And you start explaining that, well, you know, the world's a little different now. It is not the same place, and uh, that's going to take him some getting used to. 
But he's going to learn about the gray areas, you know, but you have to ask yourself, like, at what cost? Like, at what cost is he going to have to learn those lessons? It's funny. You say Captain Midnight, and I hear those music that they used to play in serials, that, 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 that kind of stuff. Mm-hmm. You know, I just hear it all the way when you do that. Yeah, it's so awesome. I, I like that. I, it, Captain Midnight's been a lot of fun. It's, it's such an interesting thing. I mean, and it's funny because, you know, Masks of Monsters isn't that dark. It is kind of dark, but it's not, like, that much of a dark material. However... Ghosted is pretty dark, and Ghosted will continue being pretty dark, and I think a lot of the stuff I'm going to be writing over the next few years is going to be dark. Mm-hmm. And then you have Captain Midnight, which is still, um, it's very much a superhero book. Mm-hmm. So it'll be interesting to see what people think. You know, it'll be interesting to see the differences in my writing between the two books. <laughs> you know, I, I imagine some people are going to read Captain Midnight and be like, I can't believe this is the same guy. Like, you know what I mean, where this is the same guy, because they're so different in tone. Mm-hmm. But isn't that good for you as a writer? I mean, don't you want to write different kinds of stories to flex your writing muscle? You know, I think I've done that the last 10 years. I think I've been writing a lot of stuff. I mean, I did a lot of mini-comics for a long time. Like, this is, you know, my 20th San Diego Comic-Con. Wow. But I've been going since I was 12, so, I mean, it's, wow. you know, I've been going for a long time. You know, as a kid, I'd only go for one day. But anyway, so back, you know, I do a lot of mini-comics, and I always something different. I was always doing something different. And then I think Sinister Evil, which came out in 2007... Like, all the work I've done for, you know, everyone. Like, I've done work for DC and Marvel and Oni and Dark Horse and Image. Like they've all been very different projects. Mm-hmm. And I started realizing the stuff that I enjoyed writing most was sort of a little bit the grittier. I look at Vertigo as sort of the way to explain it. A little bit grittier, a little more people grounded that are then thrown into interesting situations. I was talking to somebody recently about, like, my five favorite movies, mm-hmm. which were, uh, like, Rocky, Shining, Psycho, Die Hard, and Jaws. Mm-hmm. And... We were talking about each one of those as somebody sort of normal, everyday, you know, Joe Public sort of guy mm-hmm. uh, or woman that is suddenly thrown into a different world. Mm-hmm. And that's sort of the, what I've been kind of doing with my writing. I like doing that. I mean, if, you, if you look at something like Captain Midnight, it's the same thing. It's a guy thrown into a different world. Ghosted is Jackson, a guy who's a criminal thrown into a different world. And I think that's really where my, my mind is sort of focusing at is those ideas and, and really trying to keep things grounded, but at the same time a little bit gritty or with an edge to it, which is Ghosted. So, I mean, I think over the next few years, you'll probably see a lot more things like Ghosted and Masks and Mobsters from me, just because I enjoy writing that more than anything else. And I think you should really just write what you enjoy. And so that's sort of where I'm at with a lot of that stuff. I think Captain Midnight, and don't get me wrong, I'll write a superhero book, but mm-hmm. I think, like, it's funny if I had to choose between Spider-Man or Daredevil, I would choose Daredevil, even though I freaking love Spider-Man. Like, I like spider Man's one of my favorite characters. I think Daredevil I would have more fun and I think would be more suited to what I want to write. Mm-hmm. Well, very cool. You know, keep it up. Keep writing this wonderful man. stuff. It's so great. Every If you see the name Joshua Williamson on a book, be sure to pick it up because you're going to get something really good to read and some unique storytelling. Boy, I love that. Yeah, thanks a lot, man. It means a lot. Together from the cosmic reaches of the universe, here in this great hall of justice, are the most powerful forces of good ever assembled. It's Wayne's Comic Review. Dedicated to truth, justice, and peace for all mankind. Let's have a look at the highlights. 
that came out on Wednesday, July 31st. Since I just got done talking with Mr. Williamson, I should talk about the two books that came out from him this week. The first one, of course, was Captain Midnight Number 1. There is a collected edition of Captain Midnight Number 0 that has the previous appearances in Dark Horse Presents collected in one place. But the first issue of Captain Midnight came out, and I have to say, if you're expecting Captain America, you're going to be very surprised. He's nothing like Captain America, even though he's from World War II. He's an actual soldier, and I really like that take on the character. At the end, when he meets somebody he considers a superior officer, he reacts much differently than Captain America would. And he's also a soldier, so that means when he finds somebody he considers the enemy, he doesn't throw a shield at them, he shoots them. So it's a very different Captain that we're seeing, and I think it's going to be a very good book going forward. I really, really, really like it. I highly recommend Captain Midnight. If you get number zero and number one, you'll be completely caught up, which I think is great. Also, Mr. Williamson has some writing in Detective Comics Annual Number 2 with Mr. Lehman. They have two different stories that they co-wrote, and they're good stories, too. The whole annual is a good book, definitely worth getting. Of course, this week was an annual week. We had whole bunches of DC annuals that came out. Speaking of annuals, let's run down the ones that came out that interested me from DC. There was Animal Man Annual Number 2, which was extremely touching. It has to do with Buddy Baker continuing to grieve over the loss of his son. A very interesting climax to the end. This is Jeff Lemire, of course, who loves family and tells interesting family stories. So, boy, was that ever good. I highly recommend Animal Man Annual Number 2. Then there's Flash Annual Number 2, which has the Flash meeting Green Lantern Hal Jordan for the first time. Very, very good story. Kind of interesting when we get to see something, a little twist in the story. We've seen Batman put on a power ring, but this time we get to see Flash put on the Green Lantern power ring and see what differences it makes to him. Very good story. I like that a lot. Superman Annual Number 2 was pretty good, too. I like that one a lot. Now, other books that came out from DC that I think are worth getting, of course, is Batman Incorporated number 13, which I reviewed on the Majorspoilers.com website. So if you want to get my total review on that, be sure to look at Majorspoilers.com. There's also Mr. Snyder's books. We've got Batman Annual number 2, which is a wonderful story by Scott Snyder and has all kinds of interesting stuff that's taking place inside Arkham Asylum. Very good stuff. He introduces a new character, and a lot of the story is told from that person's perspective, which is a Batman tradition. I like that a lot. It's very good. It actually has a tie-in to Zero Year, too, so it's a good book. If you want to get Mr. Snyder doing real well, get Batman Annual number 2, and also get The Wake number 3. There's a part in which someone is trying to lead somebody through the station, and their arm gets severed. I was so stunned by that. And I just think that's a wonderful, wonderful story. That's one of the surprises in there. Believe me, there's plenty more. So if you haven't been reading Scott Snyder doing the horror story underwater for a change, get The Wake number three. Then we've also got, speaking of Mr. Snyder, Batman Zero Year Director's Cut number one, which is the first issue in a Director's Cut version for $5.99. I think those are good things always to have, so be sure to pick that up too. There's also Injustice Gods Among Us, number 7, Red Lanterns, number 22, Superboy, number 22, and Tom Strong and the Planet of Peril, number 1. If you like the Alan Moore character, I think you'll like this book. It's pretty good. And there's Trinity of Sin, Pandora, number 2, which ties in to the Trinity War. Other books that came out that I think worth getting are Three Guns, number 1, which is a sequel to Two Guns, which is becoming a major motion picture. She'll be out shortly. Bionic Man, number 22, which is always a good book. The two Wade books from Marvel, Daredevil, number 29, and Indestructible Hulk, number 11, which is part of Marvel now. And Morning Glories, number 29, is from Nick Spencer and from Image. So those are the books that I thought were worth picking up this week. People need dramatic examples to shake them out of apathy, and I can't do that as Bruce Wayne, as a man. 
from flesh and blood. I can be ignored. I can be destroyed, but it's a symbol. Get the latest from the comics universe. News, interviews, previews, and reviews. Listen to the weekly Wayne's Comics Podcast so you can keep reading your comics. Now at Majorspoilers.com. It's time for this week's news and previews, but before I get into the news, I wanted to answer a question I get occasionally when I'm writing reviews at Majorspoilers.com and places I've been before. Why do I keep giving five-star reviews to comics? And the answer for that is, I think it's great storytelling. Now, just like on television and movies, comic companies are going to produce a certain amount of material that is not up to standard or up to snuff. And so I understand that. But I think I want to point out to people the highest level of storytelling that I find in a week. And so what I do is I go to those places and I read the books. And if I really like them, I want to share that with people. I want to tell people that there's good things out there worth getting. A lot of people I see review never put five stars or anything, never put more than three out of five stars on things. Everything's pretty much junk as far as some folks go. And I don't mean that everybody who reads it should give everything five stars, but I am looking for the best stuff I can find, and I want to share that with people because I think the highest quality stuff you can do is definitely worth doing it. Are all movies great? No. Are all television shows great? No. But I think that when one does these kinds of things and one is reviewing things, what I want to see, and this is why I do it, is I want to learn what's really good out there. Is there something I'm not reading that's really good and I should be reading? That's when I go to comic stores. That's the question I ask. So what I'm trying to do is provide the same service that I like to find in places I go. Is this worth reading? If it's really good, then I want you to know about it so you can go out and enjoy it too. And that's why I give a lot of five-star ratings because I find good stuff and I think you should know about it. Okay, now let's get to the news. There's some stuff I think that's really fascinating going on. And one of the things that's been coming out recently has to do with The Flash appearing on Arrow as a launch to his own series on The CW. I've often said that The CW, it's shocking to me that Arrow is on that channel because it's so unlike anything else. It's very plot-driven. It does have a good mixture of character as well. But it's a good show, and I just think people should give it a chance. If they're going to bring The Flash on, that gives me kind of hope that somewhere down the pike we might get a Flash movie, which is script has been floating around for a while. So Barry Allen's going to appear in Arrow, and from what I've been reading, he's going to be very different from Oliver Queen. Oliver Queen is dark and tortured, while Barry has a very different outlook on life. The two of them are probably going to struggle over things. Barry is the one that follows the law. Of course, he's in the uh, comics. He's very much the forensic scientist who works for the police. So it's going to be very interesting to see how those two characters pair off. I'm just grateful that Smallville is kind of a thing of the past. As much as some people loved Smallville, I had real trouble with that show because there was so much dialogue going on. I would honestly fast forward through a lot of Smallville just to get to when something would happen. So I never liked all that stuff. And really the dialogue on that show had absolutely nothing to do with it. It just gave the actor something to emote about. So that was it. So I'm very happy that 
they're going to go on to the Flash. I still think Wonder Woman should be coming along someplace in here because if these guys do for these the other characters what they've done for Green Arrow, I'm going to be there with bells on because I really like that. And of course, Arrow comes back in the fall and I'm really looking forward to that. They're already started filming season two. I'm glad it's such a big hit and I just hope that people continue to give it support because boy, what a great show that is, I think. Just a wonderful, wonderful thing. I also wanted to mention too that since Batman Incorporated recently came to an end, I'm glad that DC is doing a Batman Incorporated special number one. Now, it doesn't have Mr. Morris involved. He's moved on to other projects. But Chris Burnham is going to be on there. Dan DiDio is one of the writers. I guess Chris Burnham is also writing as well. And Joe Keating. There's going to be art from Ethan Van Sciver and Jason Masters, not to mention others. It's going to be coming out. It's about $4.99. It's going to be on sale in about a month on August 28th, so it gives people a little chance to do it. I said in my review on Major Spoilers that I really like the characters, all these different Batman from around the world. So I'm kind of glad that they're doing the special. It's probably testing the water to see if there's enough support to continue going on. I recommend buying it because I'd like to see these characters more. It's good stuff. And I think Batman Incorporated special number one, when it hits in about a month, will be worth the shekels. We'll see what happens when it actually comes out. My last bit of news has to do with Valiant bringing together the entire universe in November. Harbinger Wars just recently concluded, and Planet Death also got done in Exo Manowar. And they're bringing in a book called Unity, which is going to mean a lot to those of us who remember Valiant from the past. What's going to happen is, is all the characters in Valiant are going to come together and meet up stuff. And that's going to mean we're going to have Toya Harada from Harbingers, Live Wire, Eternal Warrior, and Ninjak. And Exo Mana War is going to happen. There's a graphic that's been released, and you see all of them kind of looking at Exo Mana War kind of menacingly. So it's going to be interesting. I'm going to be curious to see. I always like the characters. I think that the Valiant Company is a good one. I was surprised when they didn't go to San Diego Comic-Con recently. I was a little worried, actually. I hoped it meant that things were still going to continue on. Of course, you know, San Diego is becoming much more of a media con than it is a Comic-Con these days. So I would think they should call it San Diego Media Con and forget the comic part. It's only about a quarter of the things going on there from what I understand. But anyway, I'm happy that Valiant is continuing on. And so I expect good things out of this book. Unity number one is coming out in November. And that's the news for this week. Now, let's look at the books that are coming out on August the 7th. Of course, for a more complete list, be sure to go to Major Spoilers early in the week, and you'll get a lot more books that are coming out. I'm just giving the ones that I recommend as far as that goes. From Boom Studios, we've got Garfield number 16, Planet of the Apes Cataclysm number 12, and Robocop Last Stand number 1 of 8. I like the Robocop character. From DC, we get Action Comics number 23, Amakami Girls by Palmiati and Gray, number 6. We get Batwing, number 23. Detective Comics, number 23. Dial H, number 15. Regrettably, that's the final issue. I'm going to miss that book. Earth 2, number 15. Green Arrow, 23. Green Lantern, 23. We'll also get Legends of the Dark Knight, of course, the reprint of the digital comics, number 11. The Movement, number 4. Stormwatch, 23. Swamp Thing, number 23. And the reprint of Trinity of Sin, Pandora number one, and Trinity of Sin, The Phantom Stranger number 11. From Dynamite, we get one of my favorite books that's coming out these days. It's Black Bat number four. I like that book a lot. If you ever get a chance to pick that up, I hope you'll get that. Lord of Mars number one of six. 
The Owl, which I reviewed very favorably in the past. It's a great book by J.T. Cruel, and it's the second of four in a miniseries. Please get out and support it, because I want to see a lot more of this book going forward. I hope that's not the end of it when it gets to number four. So please support that book. From Image, we get Fatal number 16, an incredible universe written by Phil Hester number 5. We also get Manhattan Projects number 13, and Sidekick number 1. From Marvel, we get Age of Ultron number 10A, for those people who like to get that. All new X-Men number 15, a collection of Daredevil by Mark Wade, volume number 5 hardcover for about $20. Emerald City of Oz number 205, always liked those Wizard of Oz books. They're translations of the original novels into comic format, which I really like. And that's it from Marvel. From Oni Press, we get Helheim number 6. I really kind of like that book. Then from Red 5 Comics, we get Atomic Robo Real Science Adventures number 9, and the latest miniseries, Atomic Robo and the Savage Sword of Dr. Dinosaur, number 205. Always great fun. Atomic Robo is one of those books the entire family can read and really enjoy, and learn something, too, at the same time. From Valiant, we get Harbinger Wars, number 3 of 4, Quantum and Woody, number 2, and Shadow Man, number 9. And those are the books that are out this week. That's a wrap for this episode. Be sure to be back next week when I'll have more interviews, news, reviews, and previews. But until then, keep reading your comics. love an extra $100 in your pocket? Have a TurboTax expert file your taxes for you by March 31st to get $100 back instantly. Because no matter what moves you made last year, TurboTax makes them count. That means getting $100 back and 100% accurate taxes only from Intuit TurboTax. Must file by 331. Credit only applicable to federal filing fees with TurboTax full service. Offer can be modified or terminated at any time. 